Welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. With me today in the studio is Jilly Flatty, Jesse Parker Humphreys and producer Becky. Kate is at training with West Ham today. We don't know, we can't confirm or deny whether it's because they lost to City and they've been called in to do some extra yards. We'll try and find out, or this Monday may have been in the books. But anyway, she's had to go back into train today, which is uh, obviously sucks to be Kate, but, you know, part, part of the lifestyle, eh? Um, we're obviously going to be talking about that West Ham City game and some other football bits from the weekend. I know, Jesse, you did the double header because we saw you at the Emirates and then you went off to Dagenham for the Chiggers Construction <laughs> Stadium derby. Um, but it was great to have WSL back with us this weekend. Jilly, I know you were glued to the FA player for all of the matches. Um how much did you miss also being able to watch football and like just be enjoying it and not have high, high stakes in it as well? Yeah, I mean, my, my sister WhatsApped me um, and she was just like, I bet you feel a bit a, like a lot better because there was no pressure in that. And I said, especially with that scoreline. Like, <laughs> yeah, Liverpool didn't have the best day, did they? No, I It's tough been... when you don't have Julie Flatty in your yeah, defence. They, were, they yeah. were just so sad to see you go that they were like, their heads were down already. You know? I know, I've had such a big impact on the team. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to focus too much on uh, Liverpool's 6-0 defeat to Man United because um, let's just say we'll, we'll, they'll, they'll gloss over that one and, and move on quite quickly. But... Not only did we have WSL action back in our lives, but we also got to watch football live again in the flesh. And I forgot how much fun that was at the Emirates with 46,000 tickets sold. (laughs) How many actually attended? We'll never know. Um, But it was very, very good to be back with lots of people watching football. And before we get on to talking about some of that, I have to share the most iconic gift that uh, the legendary Sue Klesnick's got me. Um, Sue is a star listener. She is uh, a great supporter of lots of people in women's football's work. She's always shouting out, leaving comments and, and thoughts. She's a Man United fan, but she's also just a connoisseur of the game you know she travels far and wide anyway she messaged me saying are you going to be at the Emirates on Sunday because I've got a Christmas present for you that I had to buy you when I was Christmas shopping for my children and my grandchildren I said yep uh, let's meet up at half time anyway met Sue in the concourse at half time and she said I found this gift and it just spoke to me (laughs) and I was like okay Uh, and she pulled out these motorway service station (laughs) top trumps and she said I've seen your tweets about (laughs) service stations and I said I confirmed to Sue the fact that when I tweet about motorway service stations it gets the most engagement more than anything I tweet about football people want to leave their opinions about service stations anyway so she said I had to get this for you because you are one of the few people I think would actually enjoy this (laughs) so it is basically top trumps but um, with different kind of rankings for price ambiance cleanliness food outlets parking spaces etc and then it's also on every single one uh, it's got like a quote but they're all really negative ones um, apart from uh, a good one for Cobham actually you know near Chelsea uh, the best service station in the world I could literally move in uh, like that film with Tom Hanks in the airport in fact <laughs> if my wife leaves me I may well do <laughs> so yes yeah, shout out Sue thank you so much Sue for that gift I haven't played a proper game yet I did have a f- flick through last night with my flatmates and um very much uh, looking forward to getting stuck in and if anyone uh, you know wants to maybe join me some point in the future for a service station uh, 
a podcast that I would love to make, uh, then we can do that. But that's enough of that for now. Um, yeah, we're going to get stuck into a little bit about Jilly's obviously big news, uh, a bit on the London Derby, West Ham City, and a bit on the NWSL draft too that happened uh, over the weekend. So that's all coming up after this. Jilly, we've got to talk about your news last week because you didn't give us the heads up. No, it took us by surprise. <laughs> Come on, was we it were... hard. Did you know at the time you were like just like, yeah. So I'd made the decision. Actually, I told my mum and dad in November that I was thinking of retiring um, this season, and um, like my dad was very like. You can play to your 40. And I'm thinking, I don't want to be playing to your 40. I don't know if my body can do it. <laughs> no, and I just said that. I just knew. I've been doing it a long time. Like, I've, I've been in senior football since I was 15. So, it's like 16 years. And it was just, I knew I'd got to the point where, like, little things, like getting up in the morning and coming down the stairs. Like, my quality of walking down, down those <laughs> oh, stairs was God. so bad. Do you know what I mean? It'd take me ages. And, like, people don't see them sort of things. Um, and I just said, listen, I want to come home. Um, and then they was both like, that's fine. Like, obviously, we just want you to come home, be happy, etc. And obviously, then with my dad passing, it was just, I'm a very competitive player, and the competitiveness in me has just gone. Like, I, I know, I don't know if it'll ever come back, but there was something in me where I was just like, I don't. I don't know, I don't, I don't want to let myself down and let Liverpool down by going back there and being 50% because it's not fair on anyone. And I said, I need to protect myself, really. Like, I'm already getting trolled as it is, do you know what I mean? Like, if I go back there and my performances aren't where they are or then I, I'm only going to get affected by it. Um, and also, I just wanted to be close to my mum and my sisters. So we spoke over um, Christmas and then my mum was a bit like, listen, don't just do it because obviously if dad passing, like, he wouldn't want you to do that. But if it's what you want to do, then you do it. Um, and I just said, listen, I just need to be honest. Like, I want to come home. I want to be back with everyone. Um, and that that competitiveness and that drive to, like, for example, the record, the appearance record. Like, I'm like, I, before all this happened, I'm like, I want to get to 200. I want to be. And then when it happened, I was like, I don't care about it. Like, I don't care if I would take everything back. I'd give all the trophies, everything back if it brought dad back. But obviously it won't. So... I just said I needed to be honest. So obviously I spoke to Liverpool. Liverpool have been fantastic with it. Like I spoke to the psychologist woman there, Fran, um, who dealt with it all. But basically Liverpool just said, we want you to be happy and we respect your decision. Because um, obviously there, there was talk maybe potentially coming back on loan to be closed. But I just said, I don't want to play football. Like, And for me, that's... I know my gut. You know, when I'm thinking that I don't actually want to play, then I have to do myself justice and I have to do right by the girls as well in the club. Um, but yeah, I did know that when I come here last week. <laughs> I knew it was coming out. Um, Didn't want to give us the exclusive. <laughs> I should have just dropped on the podcast. Today, <laughs> should I? I'm retiring. Um, but yeah, it was... So it was more a case of it, obviously what happened with your dad passing sort of sped it up a little bit. Do you think you would have probably announced it at the end of the season if not for yeah, that? Like I yeah, would have, I would have definitely retired this year. And it's, me and my mum spoke last night because I said like, there were some comments, not many, but some were just a bit like, your dad would want you to play, you should play in his honour and his memory. And I'm like, you don't know my dad. Like you don't mm -hmm. know the relationship me and my dad had. Um, my dad was fully aware. And that's what I said, uh, the 
good thing is, and I can sleep at night, is knowing my dad actually knew that I was retiring mm -hmm. in November. He knew that. So it's not like he's gone and now I've just gone, oh, do you know what? I just want to pack it in. He knew that. So I know I can sleep at night knowing that. And for me, I just said, like, he's, his last game he saw me play was Brighton, where I got the record. I actually had a really good game. Like, he, I'd done some of the tackles that he would like lo love me doing. Um... And then obviously then the one he saw obviously was West Ham, which was obviously on the FA player. I and mean, he didn't see my 45-minute cameo against Man City in the Conti Club because that was terrible. Um, which I'm glad he didn't see that. But uh, yeah, it was just obviously, it was a decision that I knew I wanted to make and it just obviously sped it up with him with him passing. I think it's, I think it's important as well, the decision you've made, because it shows that it at at times when it matters most, you need to make the decision for yourself and what works for you, and recognise that. And sometimes that means maybe you know doing things that you hadn't necessarily planned to happen at the right time. But you're like, I need to do this for myself because I know it's the best decision. And I I feel like in football sometimes we don't see that enough. Mm. I think we're seeing more of it in recent times. I think clubs are getting much better at dealing with players when they need support. But I think in the past people would have thought maybe oh like you know I need to push through. I need to you know make sure I, I carry on playing a few few more years. But like recognizing when it's the right time is actually really hard, isn't it, for a player? Yeah, and I mean I had, I had chats with Beardy. Um, probably September, October time, where he was like, listen, like, you've started obviously pre-season, the game's really well, like we want to give you a, a new deal in January. And obviously that was like another, probably an 18-month deal. Like, And then he's like, yeah, you've still got three, four more years. And when I talk to people, they'd go, yeah, you can still, you still got more seasons left. And I'm like, but when it, what about what I want? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, And I said to, to my mum, like, sometimes I do, I've done an extra contract or I've done something because I that's what everyone else wants me to do. But actually, what about what I would want to do? And I said, a lot of people are like, she's 31, she's young and all this. And I'm like, yeah, but I've been playing since I was 15 in senior football. Like, been doing it since I was nine, but... My knees hurt. <laughs> my knees, my ankles, like... I just said, I just want to... I just want a bit of a life now as well. Like, I want... I'm excited to do something different and to have a bit more freedom and that. Um... And a lot less of like a structure, you know. I might be saying that, but then probably with three because I've got no money left. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be like, ah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're gonna get into uh, uh, Jilly's like the life from times with Jilly Flatty uh, in a special that's going to be out on Thursday. We're going to be talking a little bit more, kind of in depth, about uh, Jilly's career and and uh, and like focusing on a few highlights from that as well. So for now. We're going to kind of part that conversation, but revisit it later in the week. But um, we're obviously very excited for all the things that you're going to do. And yeah, I mean, congratulations. And we have a special uh, surprise little gift um, that I'm staring at Jesse <laughs> to go grab. Um, Thanks, guys. So, I can have them now. I'm not planned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you can eat as many Maltesers as oh, you want. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, some flowers and Maltesers for Jilly. And, Crack uh, them open. We're going yeah, to get really stuck into, uh, obviously, some of Jilly's amazing career and some of the highlights of that later in the week. So, yeah, make sure you listen to that one because it's going to be very nice and I'm sure very emotional. I'm, few, uh, I'm sure if you tears will be shed yeah I'm fragile I will yeah, cry Becky's feeling <laughs> fragile so it's not a good time um, to be doing that but yeah we're really excited and um, you must have been like quickly you must have been really touched as well by so many messages like your phone I'm sure was popping off yeah it was like constant a lot of people were just a bit like 
is this actually for real? Like, and obviously then I'd wrote the night before I was laying in bed and I was writing my, what I wanted to put up, my statement sort of thing. And um, Lil was laying next to me and I kept reading it to her and I was going, no, no, I've got to tell that and <laughs> Oh my God, I forgot this manager and all this. And then when it got announced by Liverpool, I was like, do I wait? Do I wait till this evening to post it? Do I post it straight after? And she's like, you just might as well just get it out of the way with now. Like add your bit in as well. And then yeah, like I'm so many people come out, like even like, my under 14 manager got in touch with me, like who I've not spoke to for like, well, probably since I was under 14, like I've not heard nothing from him. Like so many people come out and they was all, it was nice because they was talking about dad as well. Like it just weren't about me. It was about dad and how he, he touched so many people's lives in football, like and so many people come across him. But yeah, it's nice to to read all those comments. And I said, it's nice if you, especially if you're having a bit of a down day, like to be able to go on there and, I think there was like 400 comments, like just lovely words said to me. Especially with your experience on social media as well, which hasn't always been the best place for you. Like it's nice to have such an outpouring of love. We're all very excited to see what Jilly does next. Uh, but for now, let's get stuck into some of the football from the weekend. So <laughs> Arsenal, Chelsea at the Emirates on Sunday. Lots of pressure, lots of high stakes on this game. We kind of talked about it on last week's show, it being a sort of now or never, all or nothing situation for Arsenal. Essentially must not lose if they were going to still be in contention in the title race. They did end the weekend in third because of that massive uh, result for United and them leapfrogging them on goal difference. But a result, Jesse, at one all that, probably favours Chelsea and I think when you look at how well Arsenal played for a lot of that game they will probably feel it be feeling like it's the one that got away yeah I definitely think Arsenal played better than Chelsea did in that match and to concede when they did is going to be a really frustrating thing um that being said I don't feel like the goal came out of nowhere I felt like in the first half and in the second half, those like last 15 minutes, you kind of saw Chelsea grow into the game a bit more and Arsenal struggled to keep up with them. And I definitely felt like Arsenal really struggled to deal with the substitutions Chelsea made. And this is kind of what we talked about maybe going into the match, which is that, you know, Arsenal's squad has a different look to it right now because of injuries, because of the new signings and maybe they weren't able to call on people off the bench in the same way that Chelsea were able to because I felt like uh, Eve Perisette and Jelena Kankovic just totally changed the game from a Chelsea perspective. And then Sam Kerr's just inevitable. Like, having a, in inverted commas, like, bad or not as good season and, you know, to still be popping up and scoring goals like that. Leah Williamson's face as she sees Sam Kerr, like, sail past her to head in is... Given that like she's what, like five foot four and <laughs> Leah's like five foot eight or something like that. Like, yeah, but it just the shows leap, that, the leap like that she gets about is... the movement mm. and the way she sees the way, like the way the ball moves and where she sees the space. And yeah, like her leap time is, is incredible. I was seeing her going up for headers against like Rafa during the game as well. And you're just like, this is such a mismatch, but mm. she backs herself. And, you know, you, you saw that with the goal she scored. And she loves doing that because she loves the the, the big show. She loves the box the celebration. That's where she was, plays her best. The celebration was great. And, I mean, it, it felt almost like deja vu as well to the United game at the Emirates that Arsenal obviously lost because in that game they had chances to put away the match and they had lots of chances... 
uh, after and before Kim Little's penalty to see off that match yesterday. And as it got closer and closer to full time, I did think, oh, I think they're still going to hold on for this. I think they're still going to hold on for this. But obviously they didn't. And now I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, well, this just, you know, just feels like the, the title now is, is Chelsea's to lose. Jilly, do you think Chelsea will potentially go on now and win yet another title? I mean, because Arsenal still do have that game in hand. So it's not unthinkable. But Chelsea just have that special title winning mentality where when it looks like they might be down, they just come back. Yeah, and I think that's credit to Emma as well. Like the mentality that she installs in the girls, obviously experiencing it firsthand. Um, they have that like never say die attitude. And I just think the squad that they have, like the amount of people that they can bring off the bench um, is what I think will be the game changer with it. Um Arsenal was making me a bit nervous though as well like when they were like playing out from the back and sometimes I think their their speed on the ball is so slow and like, I think that's what Chelsea's done really well yesterday it's like Lauren James like she just will press you and press you and press you and if you don't move the ball quick enough she's going to win it off you and they try and like have the 50-50 with her but she's just so strong mm. um, but I think that was the difference with it is the speed of play like when Chelsea attack, I feel like Chelsea just go, go, go. Whereas Arsenal, I think like Blackstinius went through and she could have played it either to her right or to her left and then got tackled. Like, But because she took so long and the player caught up with her. Um, but I do, I think Emma Hayes, the manager that she is, that what she installs in that team... Um, they just don't. They just don't quit. They don't. They just keep fighting and fighting for it. Mm, we, there are a few talking points as well because we had a, a little brief uh, chat at half time about things. The penalty, Chelsea can feel hard done by. I do think uh, Neve Charles was naive to do what she did, but the fact is it was outside the box, and that's kind of the core issue: is that it probably shouldn't have been a penalty. And if Chelsea had come away losing that game, Jesse, I'm sure yourself and a lot of Chelsea fans would have been pretty cheesed off because it would have been yet another referee call at the Emirates that goes against them. Would you agree? I just was getting so wound up by you texting me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew you were. I was like, Jesse, like, turned to me and was like, blows, winding me up. And I'm I was sorry. Like, I know the feeling. Right, Julie, let's get your, you know, defensive wisdom here. Flo when wants I was, to move on from Flo. Yeah, when I was watching the game, I, I could see the referee giving a lot of these, like, very soft fouls where there's a bit of arm contact, there's a bit of, like, body contact, and essentially one player's flopping to the ground. Like, she was given though, she did the, the Leah Walty, uh, I think it was Cuthbert on Volty or something, or James on Volty that wasn't a foul and Volty gets it her way. And then there, it was vice versa, I think, James and someone and James gets it. So I thought, right, this ref has a pattern here. Charles shouldn't do what she does to give her the option. But at the end of the day, it's outside the box. That's what I was trying to say. But yeah. maybe I'm being, you know, I, I was obviously think, winding you no, up. Well, but. no, I was obviously like, well, there's a couple of things here. It wasn't a penalty. But also, that's... So you don't think the challenge enough was enough in itself to be a penalty? I personally don't think so. No, I felt like they were just going, like, kind of shoulder to shoulder and it was a bit of, like, six of one, half a dozen of the other. I think that aside, though, it's silly to get too bogged down in it because I think broadly, as annoying as it is, the way Arsenal played, sometimes you kind of make your own luck in those situations. And I do feel like 
the reason why maybe as well it felt like a bigger moment to the ref is because Caitlin Ford had been getting the better of Neve Charles for the entirety of the match. Yeah, and she so was clinging on for dear life. Those are the kind of things where I'm like, I don't want to get like too bogged down in it because obviously it was it was outside the box, like contact or not, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it, it shouldn't have been a penalty. But equally, it didn't feel outrageous for Arsenal to be one 0 up after sixty minutes. Do you know what I mean? So, but are you saying that with the with the benefit of hindsight because it was I would a draw? have been annoyed if we'd lost, yeah, because that would have been the second time in two seasons we'd gone to the Emirates. That's what I'm and saying. Lost a game because of a refereeing decision. But I also, you know, in my Zen world <laughs> that I live in, obviously, I do think sometimes these things, you know, come back around. It just is funny because against Arsenal, it's like Jesse, like the Williamson handball last season. Jesse wasn't wasn't that Zen. I was going to say Zen. I don't think you were that Zen. I don't think you were that. I think zen. the vibes afterwards at the pub would have been real bad. Do you know what cheered me up? when Katie McCabe came on and got a yellow card <laughs> after 10 minutes and I literally turned to Becky and I was like, we might lose, but that was a fun moment. That was a fun moment. <laughs> and I also know that you celebrated the Sam Kerr goal pretty hard. <laughs> and obviously it is different when you watch women's games because even though there are away ends now at some and you know the Emirates have done it really well for United and Chelsea, you were technically in the home end, but there were other Chelsea fans around. Club, but please. Club, so you were at <laughs> club level in the home end and uh, you, went, you went pretty hard on the celly, didn't you? You were no, like, of course, it's an eight and a half minute equaliser. But then was it funny when you stood up and you were like, oh. I was like, oh gosh, like no one. But the <laughs> thing is, I did the same thing when United scored in the the um, the winner. Oh, I wasn't sitting near you in that, yeah. I don't think. And you were like, <laughs> I was cheered for that one as well. That's funny. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I think it is interesting. I mean, I I also think on on the the bigger Emirates pitch. I don't think Arsenal have finessed it yet, even though they're getting really good crowds for the WSL games and decent crowds for some of the Champions League games. They haven't looked all that great. And there were moments yesterday where I felt like Chelsea had the opportunity to use the space at space and the width that the Emirates offered and didn't quite make the most of it because there were those kind of small passages of play where Lauren James had like so much space in front of her and wasn't quite brave enough to to take on anyone and, and put a shot in and she does so well. And there were other moments where she did that and it was like, wow, okay, there's an opportunity here. But every, Chelsea picked off Arsenal quite a lot, especially in the first half. But for me, I felt like they weren't breaking fast enough to give someone like her an opportunity. Um, but like you say, Jilly, Arsenal at the same time, they were doing really well to kind of notice the weakness in Chelsea's team, which is the fullbacks right now, and think, OK, we're going to punish them. I thought Lena Hurtig was an interesting choice to start, but you imagine it's because, you know, Katie Kane may, may not have been fully fit. But I thought it was a shame to have Hurtig on that right side because it was a little bit too passive for me, especially when there was such an opportunity against Magdalene Eriksson, who isn't a great left back and hasn't been having the best season where it's like, right, this is an area of the pitch where she could get punished. And it just feels like, what are Arsenal going to do now? Because that game against City in a couple of weeks isn't going to be easy. And if they don't win that game, then you'd probably think, right, that's probably the title over. But they need to get something from this season, I would say. I don't know if you agree, Jilly, having like been there and been part of very successful eras at that club. Do you feel like this season they've got to get something? Yeah, I think it's it's a club that that they've they've always won. Do you know what I mean? Obviously when I was there we we were so successful and that's not down to me, but obviously <laughs> <laughs> But it was and it was the when Vic Akers was the manager and Norm Harvey, it was the culture of the club was to win. I remember one year we missed out on um, 
I think we ended up getting points deducted because of an admin error. So we ended up missing out on the Champions League. And that was like, that was the year when Liverpool, the first time Liverpool won it. And that was like, it was solemn at the training ground. Like it was like, you come in, you do your business, you go home. Like there was no fun or anything. And that's how much, that was just missing out on the second Champions League place. Like, and I do, I think there is, there is pressure on a club the size of Arsenal as well with the money that's being put in. Like you've got to bring, you've got to bring trophies, you've got to bring silverware back. But I don't know, I just think with Arsenal, like, I'm just never convinced that they're going to go all the way with, I feel like with Chelsea, I just feel just like they've it. got that mentality that they're yeah. going to win at least one thing, if not two. Do you know what I mean? I feel like with Arsenal, just I feel like they they start well, or whatever, and then they just seem to fade as the season goes on. Be interested to see what happens in the in the rest of the window. They've been linked to Chloe Lacasse, my girl at Benfica. I was waiting for you to say my girl. <laughs> Chloe Lacasse's name when Flo says it is like my girl is just like added. That's her next surname. Basically, I did one interview with her and I just think she's great. Um, but I don't know if Do she think she'd remember you. No, wouldn't have a clue. But I don't. No offense to my girl Chloe Lacasse, but I don't think she is going to transform Arsenal's season. But I do think they need reinforcements because clearly, when it comes to scoring goals, not having Viviana Miedemar not having Beth Mead is going to really impact the team so uh, behind the scenes I'm sure they're working really hard to try and get some more attacking players in this window but there's still an FA Cup and Conti Cup as well and the Champions League although you know I don't know if either of the English teams are good enough to win it this season but Chelsea Arsenal final and <laughs> oh come on uh, we've also got to talk about West Ham Manchester City uh, we'll, we'll have to get Kate's take on things uh, at a later date but Jesse you were there in uh, in daggers, um, yeah, I was here with my ten page analysis of Kate's I know, performance. So she's ready. not, she's she's not, not even I don't think she had training. She didn't want to face you. <laughs> it was your first time going to uh, going to Chiggy Construction. Yeah, confusingly Arena. not in Chigwell. I know. What's that about? I know. So it's silly uh, marketing there. Um, what did you make of the Atmos? I've, I was watching it from home. I thought it was a, an open and interesting game, and uh, I think West Ham would be really frustrated they didn't get uh, anything in it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a good vibes game. Um, it was kind of a weird one. I definitely felt like in the first half, West Ham were the better side. But I think the kind of attacking setup was quite confusing. Yeah, we've got to, to talk me. about we've got to talk about the the, the lineup and the formation because um, Kate had a starring role on the wing. Uh, and she was rotating or slash rotated with Lisa <laughs> Evans. Um, and, I, you know, West Ham, we have said that their squad is not huge. Um, and Paul Koncheski was obviously trying to do something a little bit different. Um, but it, it there were moments where it kind of worked. Um, and they were playing Dagny up top. And she's obviously a physical player, good presence, good finisher, great passer. She's a, she's a very good all-round player. But it was that kind of like, oh, sorry, Viviana Asai was playing up top and Dagny was just sitting behind her. But it was like they just didn't have that kind of like cutting edge to finish off some of the brief moments and opportunities they had. Well, I think you could see as well that the kind of attacking structure was new, shall we say. <laughs> and I, I feel like there wasn't necessarily the same obvious relationships with players, but I definitely thought they did well with Asai's like speed in behind and they switched the ball really well which I think exposed like lots of the spaces City were leaving and they stayed in the game for like a lot longer like obviously they only lost 1-0 I do think if 
they had equalised, City had another level to go to. And I think from a City perspective, you can kind of chalk this game up to being a bit like we saw with the Arsenal-Chelsea game. You've just come back after a break. It was maybe a bit sluggish. They were like, OK, we're just going to kind of get the goal and um, leave it. And I think, yeah, if they if West Ham had equalised, I still would have backed City to go on and win. Um, and they could have had a few more goals, like especially in the last sort of 15 minutes. Like Bunny, Bunny Shaw had that and, yeah, great yeah. chance when she hit the post. The Mackenzie Arnold had to make some really good saves in the last few minutes. So, like you said, City will probably be a bit disappointed they weren't more ruthless, but it's kind of like, right, get the three points and job done. Yeah, I just think West Ham really needs to sign another attacking player because I just feel like with the structure the way it is, it was just like, it was just too many midfielders. Then it just didn't really make sense to me. And I think um, it appoints kind of left the defence a bit more exposed and, and, and things like that. But credit to how is the Soko and Grace Fisk, I thought they dealt with Bunny Shaw like incredibly, incredibly well. Um, and we know she's not an easy player to defend against. I know she scored and she did like have that other chance as well. But I thought broadly they really um, helped keep her out the game. Which is a challenge in itself. Julia, you you know spent time at West Ham when Koncheski come in and he obviously got the head coaching role just after you left. But... What's he like to work with and, and what do you see as the kind of like overall ceiling for that club? Because they have time and time again shown that they can match some of the bigger teams in the league on a much, much smaller budget. An amazing cup run that you had with them uh, all the way to the FA Cup final at Wembley. And that feels like the cup feels like the biggest opportunity for them because although they are currently in fifth, I think. Oh, no, they're in sixth. Um it's it, it's going to be tough for them to ever really push on more than fifth or sixth without really increasing their budget. So where do you see this team going beyond where it is right now? I think we've we've conch coming in like the I mean how he was as a player. He was very aggressive. Um, he was very on his front foot, and that's what he's brought to the team. I know, like obviously having him as my assistant last year. That's how he was um, when we used to do just sort of the unit work with defenders. Um, so was he in charge of the defensive? Yeah, like training, he used to yeah. work with us a lot on like crosses and our defensive play, and just how we are really as a player on like one to one level. Um, but and I think that's how you can see with West Ham is that he sort of conscious very much like no respect. Do you know what I mean? Like he don't care whether you're playing against Arsenal or Chelsea or whether you're playing against Brighton or Leicester. Like, his attitude is we make it difficult for them, we get in their face. And that seemed to have worked for them this year. Obviously, it is risky doing that against the likes of Arsenal and Chelsea because if you don't all go together, you can be easily exposed. Um, but I think that's what you've seen with West Ham is that they've got that fire. Um, and they're obviously, they're playing for him as well. But I do think it is... they. It's going to be hard for them to match even the likes of, say, United. Even like you're looking at Tottenham, even though they're ahead of Tottenham, Tottenham have got a lot more money than what West Ham have to be able to go and pay for what they have for West Beth England. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like with a club like West Ham, if they can be the best of the rest, as in be the top of that pack, obviously you've got the, you've got the top three and then probably if they can... They, obviously they beat Tottenham, do you know what I mean? Like if they can go up there and, and be aiming for, say, fifth... If anyone does end up faltering above them, they, they might be a surprise one year where they do get in the Champions League. But then if they do get in the Champions League, they've got to then put more money in. Do you know what I mean? But I mean, it's obviously the men's team are a, bit, a big club as well. Um, and obviously with 
West Ham being where they are in regards to Essex, they should really have the cream of the crop over that side because they are the only WSL club. And I think that's what's good about the club is they're very much about youngsters, about bringing youngsters in, having good English talent as well. Um, yeah, that's that's what I, I see from. And we've seen some good young players come through their academy system as well. And although some of them haven't stayed at the club, they've gone on to play good championship teams, other WSL sides. And I think you're right. There's always something very kind of like gutsy about West Ham and how they play. You always know it's going to be tough. It's going to be interesting to see how they kind of continue to like measure up. And I feel like, Jesse, across kind of social media and across the fan base in the WSL, they have kind of become like the neutrals favourite. Like everyone kind of has a little bit of a soft spot for them because there's like, you know, fan favourites in the team. But because they're a little bit Jekyll and Hyde, you never kind of know what sort of performance is going to come, but they're always probably going to entertain you and how they play as well. Yeah, I love West Ham. Um, I think they're a really fun team to watch. I think what they've done well, like kind of similar to what Julie's saying as well, is it's not just young players. It's like looking in different markets and being able to kind of identify talent you know, whether that's kind of players coming from Japan or from Scandinavia and and using that as a way to build a model for the club where maybe those players move on. Like, obviously, Yui Hasegawa was back last night playing for City, but they've helped, like, raise the profile of the club. They potentially bring in money, like Hasegawa did. Um, and then you go out and you find some more. Obviously, that kind of leads you to having to rebuild the team maybe year on year. But I think, broadly, it also gives you a bunch of players who are young who really want to prove themselves in this league and maybe they see West Ham as a stepping stone in inverted commas but I think given West Ham's budget and where they are in the league that's not necessarily a bad thing in terms of the motivation of the players who are there whereas I think sometimes other clubs on a similar level maybe struggle to find they look for like say an older more experienced profile of player but maybe that player kind of doesn't have the same incentive to think I can get a move to a Champions League team in the way that a under 23 or an under 25 player does um and I just think also that different mixture of styles of football nationalities personalities that's what makes the team like really exciting and yeah I I think I've just loved the way they've they've built the side and I think you know bringing in players like Asai was just that shows the sway of the WSL as well but I think it's cool to see that that teams like West Ham are, are exciting and there's projects there that you know, even though it might not be a big, like, obviously splashing the cash project, it still is attractive to a player of, like, Asai or Dagny Brynjastotir's quality. And in terms of City, they're, only, they're now only three points behind Arsenal with that massive game on the 11th of Feb uh, at City, at the CFA. And I think it's sold out as well. So uh, that's going to be a massive one for both sides because if City win that, could be really worrying for Arsenal. And City have the depth now that Arsenal don't have. Their injury issues aren't as chaotic as they have been in the past. Came back after Christmas with a shockingly pretty fit squad. Alana Kennedy even playing yesterday. And I don't think she's played as about live and six, <laughs> six months. So, yeah, really interesting one on the horizon. Um, one of the biggest shocks of the weekend, which, I mean, I definitely didn't see coming. Did anyone actually expect this, Becky? No. 
Jesse? <laughs> In short. No. Jilly? <laughs> no. Yeah, I didn't think so either. We're talking about Leicester's 3-0 win over Brighton. Brighton, obviously, starting the, the second half of the season with their new manager, Jens Scheuer, uh, a very highly rated manager. They've made a lot of signings as well. Um, he's obviously going to need time, but given how... Poor Leicester have been at parts this season and a little bit unlucky as well in some of their games. And the fact that they hadn't picked up a point and suddenly uh, beating Brighton, obviously Brighton just sitting above them in the table, having played a game less though, means that they're now four points behind Brighton and things could get a little bit interesting. Jesse, how much do you think this could impact the relegation race? Is it going to be like in the past... We were talking about this before we started recording about how sometimes there's a good run of results that makes you think there's a bit more jeopardy, but in the end, some of those smaller teams just can't keep up. Or do you think this actually has genuine kind of, or Brighton should be worried? I mean, obviously, factually, it impacts the league table and it does like make that gap smaller. I think where I may be worried for Brighton or what's going to be interesting because I think what Brighton have going for them is they are a good attacking team and they've got good attacking players and I think even when they've been a bit like chaotic with conceding lots of goals in the first half of the season they've also been able to come through in different moments because they have managed to put up score lines where they've scored two three four goals my concern would be if Jens Troyer is so fi- fixated maybe understandably on fixing up defensively that actually you lose some of that attacking impetus and then you risk going into games where if you do fall behind, you start to panic and your players aren't set up in the same way to like go for it, where maybe before, under Hope Power and under the like interim regime, they were a bit more like fuck it, let's <laughs> let's just go wild. Like let's just set Katie Robinson free. Um so I do think it'll be interesting. I'm I'm still not convinced on the flip side of that that Leicester are going to carry on scoring. Um but who knows maybe this is maybe Willie Kirk just needed Christmas the Willie Kirk to, revolution to fit it all together. But yeah, I think I would still put my money on on Leicester to go down right now. I think it's important as well for the league to have a tight relegation battle as well because otherwise I think if it's just one team getting absolutely battered every weekend, it doesn't look great. Um, But I think it still is going to be a tough challenge. But there are other teams that could get dragged into it as well. Jilly, we were talking um, just when you came back last week about the fact that Liverpool had that massive game against Leicester before Christmas that ended up getting postponed. And now that looks even more important given Liverpool's result of the weekend. Yeah, and I mean, obviously I've, I've been a part of it where um, obviously at West Ham when we thought that Bristol were dead and buried and then Beardy went there and uh, just sort of revived them and then they obviously come up and then naturally as a, even for example, if I am if I was still at Liverpool now, naturally I would be looking over my shoulder um, because you do, like, especially now, people will be seeing, like, teams will be talking about Leicester winning Um and sort of for Leicester, this sort of maybe players might think, do you know what, it's the inevitable, like there's no pressure on us now sort of thing because a lot of people have wrote them off to go down. There is no pressure. So now obviously teams when they're playing them, Leicester have got nothing to lose because 
in hindsight, they shouldn't really come back. But it's the same with West Ham. We went there to Leicester last year and lost 4-0 against them. Like, you can't you can't predict nothing, I don't think, in the WSL. Um, but we it makes it exciting and it makes other teams in and around the bottom not settle. You know, we want it to be as exciting as at the top as it is at the bottom. Yeah, definitely. And so just above Leicester, you've got Brighton and Reading both on seven points. Reading losing to Everton 3-2 this weekend. Well, the weekend just gone, shall I say. And then you've got Liverpool on eight points, Tottenham on nine points. And then really you've got a Villa, West Ham and Everton kind of in like a middle three pack at the moment. But there are... Five teams that could maybe, or four, four, yeah, four teams that could maybe get dragged into a bit of a relegation battle. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks. Finally, just before we go, I want to touch on the end of cell draft, which happened in uh, Philly over the weekend. Do you understand it? Um, I mean, I do, do sort of, yes. just from like of US, <laughs> just from like US watching US sports. So obviously, every single US league has a draft, and it is it's tradition and culture in the US. So I kind of get how it works because of that. You know, you pick from a pool of very talented college players, and then you combine that with trades for other players to get your picks, essentially. To climb up Makes the, zero sense the picks. Me. Do you just refuse to get it? Yeah, that's what I was like going to say. Like, I don't get it and I don't try I hate to. It. Yeah. I, don't, I don't make any attempt to understand <sighs> it. There were a few kind of big stories over the weekend. Alyssa Thompson, who was a highly, highly rated player, a lot of um, people may kind of um, recognise her name. From, she's been part of the US Women's National Team uh, squad recently and I think she plays, she's only at high school, so she's very she's young. 18. Crazy. I did cry watching that. Don't get it, but emotional. But still love it. <laughs> Tugs at the heartstrings. Uh, she got uh, picked as the number one uh, pick, another one, number one draftee. I think that's the language they use um, <laughs> by Angel City, which is obviously huge and you know exciting for them because a new club. You know, great to have a kind of marquee California girl poster girl for the future of that franchise, especially with Kristen Press kind of getting into her latter years of playing. So that's very exciting, but. One of the most kind of scandalous storylines from the weekend was Lynn Williams uh, of the Kansas City Current, bizarre team name, um, getting traded to Gotham. Uh, and Lynn Williams put up a kind of interesting um, Instagram post in which, and I don't know if she's deleted it. I think it might still be there, but I don't know if she's going to get asked. You can never asked. delete anything. I don't know if she's going to get asked to delete it. Um, but it took a lot of people by surprise, um, the, the trade. And she posted on Instagram afterwards saying that she was shocked by the trade that happened. And uh, she was sorry to uh, Kansas City fans because um, she loved, she didn't get to play in front of them because she's coming back from injury. Um, that was as a result, and this will be another confusing thing for Becky, <laughs> she had to get traded because there wasn't enough space on the salary cap because okay. Kansas City had signed Dabino, who's obviously a big player. So there's another, you know, they have very tight salary cap rules uh, and we don't have really as nearly as tight I love being the, the dummy of this podcast <laughs> the brains I, dummy. I represent everybody that listens and doesn't get the draft so I was just like staring into Becky's eyes like sort of slowing you will down. understand how she talks <laughs> so there was probably I don't know I, there was probably something in the back of her mind that thought someone big a big salary player either probably me or maybe Sam Mewis is going to have to get drafted they <laughs> made it sound like you no sorry no. <laughs> they're, all, they're very good friends as well so it's, it's sad in that sense but anyway she didn't see it coming it doesn't sound like she had much of a role to play. And players who get who get traded in, across US sports 
often don't have any play it's or, or say in it. Because and yeah. America's so big. I know. I know. That's like, what's crazy. If you got, right, fine. If you didn't know that you were getting traded in England, like four hour drive max. Yeah, you're going you to like, like Manchester. Your whole life it. just gets like pulled up and you're like, okay, bye. Yeah. Like you move hundreds and thousands of miles thousands it's yeah. that big right <laughs> it's like thousands I will say the one thing that I think obviously the NWSL has looked to do around this is um, bringing in free agency and therefore giving an opportunity for players to sign they have go. made and changes recently yeah. allowed Dabinia to go to the KC current um, but it is a very strange system mm. I think it's kind of got like interesting benefits in its own way I mean it's very and, like, fun to watch I'd the drama unravel to know as well Julie, like your perspective, because you obviously came in, as you said, to, um, you know, adult professional football as a 15 year old. And Alyssa Thompson is kind of like a unique exception because she's so young. And normally these players come into the draft at 22 and there's a bit more of that culture of like. They only recently changed the rules to let high schoolers even be drafted. And then you go into pro football. And I don't know like what you make of having played like football from kind of such a young age. That's like seven years experience difference. Yeah, like having that different development. Yeah, and I think even like there's so many players who over like my time when it comes to like they're like 17, 18 and they're going, oh, I'm going to go to uni in America. And I'm a bit like probably ignorant to it. I'm probably like, no, stay like here because you, you're good enough to get and play regularly in the WSL. And that. And they're like, no, 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 like I need to go to America. And so many people who I've come across in teams have then gone on to go and play in America. And then they come back and they're like, it's completely changed me. It's completely changed my thought on football and it's developed me so much where I've been probably a bit ignorant to it because obviously I've stayed in English football all my life, really. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, like, in regards to, like, the draft and that, like, if you was telling me, say, at 18, I would potentially have to move home and go thousands of miles away, I don't think I would have been ready for it. Mm. Um, and even, even now, at my age now, if I was in the draft now and someone said, you've got to go up your life and... I would find that really difficult. And I think that's the, in regards to the NWSL, that's the thing I think that scares me the most is that you can just be told one morning you've been drafted by someone else, see you later, pack your, pack your yeah. bags and go. And the other thing they have changed recently as well is the rules around US women's national team players and how their rights are allocated. Because that was a whole other complicated thing in which like US soccer held their rights, not the clubs. And it was just so complicated. But they have made changes to try and create a bit more player freedom and less club power and I did Google Maps it and it's 1200 miles between Kansas City and Gotham so that's a pretty mm. big move for Lynn Williams um, I know her partner lives in Australia so you're still really <laughs> still really far away from your partner um, the flip side that's interesting though as well is obviously the structure of the draft and the picks you get depend on like where you finish in the league and obviously there's no relegation but also the salary caps it like it creates a more equal it, league yes. and there's obviously been a lot of conversations around talent hoarding in inverted commas in the WSL and people, you know, being excited that Beth England, Jordan Nobbs, players who weren't getting minutes at bigger clubs have been able to go to um, smaller clubs and maybe make the league as a whole a bit more competitive, a bit more exciting. And I do think that's one of the fun things about the NWSL in its like pure chaos. It's democratic. You, it, well, I'm not sure if I go as far as to say democratic, but from one season to the next, you can just have these like massive upsets like Washington Spirit and Gotham two seasons ago were like two of the standout teams and then both of them kind of ended up towards the bottom of the league last season and then you do all these trades and stuff so then you think oh well Gotham's got Lynn Williams and they're like 
building something exciting and new and then so you don't know then yeah, what's going to happen I would, next I would say that. I do think, you know, it does promote equality and um, I think having the, the draft system and allocating that, I think, you know, creates a more competitive kind of across the board league. Uh, Jilly, quick one. Obviously, when you first started playing, there's been, we're now on, what, the third or fourth iteration of a professional women's football league in the US, but have you had any offers from the States that did you ever consider it? Um, when I was in the Arsenal Academy, um, Kelly Smith was one of my coaches and she said that Florida State, uh, the uni, got in touch with me and then they wanted to talk about me going there to do my scholarship and that and then I just absolutely melted because I thought, oh my God, Florida's so far away. <laughs> um, so then I stayed at the Arsenal Academy. But no, like, it's not... There, Kansas come in... For me, uh, I'd say maybe when I, I think it was before I went to West Ham or whilst I was West Ham before I signed my, I signed a two year deal at West Ham and then I when I renegotiated Kansas coming for me then um, and we spoke to like the general manager and that, but it was just, it's not really been something that's ever interested me really to go and play um, out there. I think because of the distance as well, like I'm a really family person anyway, but obviously like we've spoke to, we've had talks with clubs in Norway, um, before like no when obviously John Arnarisa, um obviously when I was no I was leaving West Ham, we spoke to him. So it, I think that would have been the furthest really that I would have gone would have been Norway or Spain or something like that. But yeah, America just seems too far away and too complicated as well. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, you'd have to understand the drama. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Instead of doing a song when you like come in and do your <laughs> yeah. initiation and they just test you on the rules of the draw. And it keeps changing because also for the first time now they've got a collective bargaining agreement in the NWSL. So that's really interesting as well because that's something we don't have in the WSL. But they've unionised, honeys. And Love that's, that for them. That's what you can get. Um, before we go, a little bit of admin. Uh, we are now on Twitter and on TikTok. You read out. Our Twitter the because Twitter handle is <laughs> underscore. I've had a nightmare. It's, it's at underscore counterpress, all one word. Um, if you go to my Twitter, you can find it via well, my bio. Apparently, or according to a tweet, I've changed it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you changed it. Someone, while we were doing so, someone was complaining that the bio was an old account. So anyway, I have now corrected it, so it has the right handle yep. in my. And bio. I have a burner phone just to be able to make that Twitter. <laughs> so if anyone wants a number, when you said earlier that like things never get to off the internet the first thing I thought like was apart from the counter <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's complicated but blame Elon Musk is what I say and we're also on TikTok it's at counterpress pod I think that's all our social media admin for yeah. the moment anyway follow us um, follow us please who knows how long the Twitter account's <laughs> going to be there who knows how long Twitter's going to be there but TikTok I think we can be a bit more reliable although we have I'd, heard it might be getting shut down in the US I'd be really so. annoying if Twitter goes down after I've what, bought a burner, burner phone, phone and a burner thim just yeah. to make a there are other account. things you can do that burner phone I don't you know I don't condone them kids but just saying um, okay great I have one more thing I'd like oh, to add. Oh, no, not Becky Taylor Gill admin. No, it always ends in tears. It's nice. Okay. Did you see that Formiga got married? I did see that Formiga got married. Oh, that's oh, cute. I, I didn't know. see that. You didn't see it. Has she finally retired now? She's still playing in Brazil. Oh, I think she's knows. still playing in Brazil. Oh, God. She will play until Short, she dies. Though. Love that. <laughs> Love yeah. that. Yeah, and her wife was wearing a very 
like princess dress. Oh, Beautiful wow. couple. Iconic lesbian football wedding. Yeah. Really Congratulations, Formiga. I know you're listening. Congratulations, Formiga. <laughs> yeah. Big fan of yeah. I don't know if you can be English, but we hope you listen to the pod. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's it for us. Uh, please tune in to our Jilly Flatty special later in the week. Hopefully going to be an emotional one um, and uh, a very Flo enjoyable ride. Jilly's <laughs> career. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll catch you all next week. <laughs>